Good morning. Let's start with prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we just come to your house today, Lord, that we, we ask that your message be deep and clear, Lord, that it is plain to us so that we can grow and continue to love you further. Lord, thank you so very much for this opportunity to gather here today. Lord, I just pray that uh, you watch over uh, all who are a part of your family, Lord, in this building, remote, Lord, everywhere, that, uh, that your, your love uh, just continues to abound, Lord, and we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we've been working through Acts. So today I get um, a lion's share of Acts. I was pretty excited about this. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 6, verse 8. So if you could find chapter 6, verse 8. So when the, the elders decided that we were going to work through Acts, um, the first thing I did was I asked my wife, I said, so does um, N.T. Wright have a book on Acts? And she said, yes. She said, in fact, there's two chapters of it. So uh, Acts part 1 chapters 1 through 12, and then another chunk. So this is what I use a ton of in my sermon outline. So um, if you like N.T. Wright, you're going to love this. If you don't, um, you're going to love it anyway. So, um, so um, in reading through, so, so uh, the elders, we just kind of go 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, right? So uh, I follow Isaac, Joe follows me, Joe, you're right, we just kind of go in a pattern. So it's not like we pick and choose like what sermon chunks we get. We just kind of get assigned and off you go. And, and uh, I hadn't looked ahead and saw how big the chunk was. And like when Isaac said, you know, well, David gets almost like a whole chapter. And I was like, what? So I go and look and I was like, like you got to be kidding me. So I have 6, 8 all the way to 7, 53. Okay, so those of you who uh, have listened to my sermons before know that I'm not a stellar reader, but we're going to power through a bunch of uh, today. The reason why that there wasn't an Old Testament uh, reading today is that there will be. There will be a whole bunch of Old Testament reading because in Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin, he continues to go back to the Old Testament, and you're going to find out why in just a little bit. So I figured that, you know, like what Old Testament verse would we use? We'd, we'd be using the same ones we're doing here, so we're just going to use it. So let, let's do a little background on who Stephen is. And if you notice, the title of the sermon is From Deacon to Defendant. Because last week, Isaac introduced Stephen. So Stephen was uh, chosen as one of the seven deacons. So back in 6.5, so if you go back a verse or two, it says, the, purpose, uh, the proposal pleased this group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip and five of the other brothers. So he's chosen as one of the deacons. And these deacons were to minister to these uh, Grecian Jews. So uh, Stephen is actually a Grecian Jew, right? So can speak Greek. And that's going to be important, as, as we see in just a little bit. Um, 
And uh, so you have to realize that, uh, that you, you've got the temple and then you've got all of these synagogues everywhere. So a lot of these synagogues uh, would have been supported by and used by the Greeks. So having someone who can speak Greek to, uh, who's also Jewish is going to be really important. So if you figure that those who are going to go and travel from, okay, so from Greece to Jerusalem is 1,400 miles. So if you're going to be a Jew who's, who's living in Greece, who's going to travel three times a year to a, one of the three festivals, like, like how long would it take you to travel 1,400 miles and you've got a car? Right? Like they don't have transportation. Like, so you, they're doing a lot of walking. So if you're going to be committed to walking that far to go and engage in a festival, your passion and your faith is going to be really, really deep and grounded. So it would be a very, very big commitment, and these are going to be some of the most loyal or um, dedicated Jews going to these synagogues. Okay. So with that in mind on who Stephen is, let's start. I get, uh, we're going to start in 6.8. Now Stephen, a man of God, grace, and power, did great wonders and miracle signs among people. Oppression arose, however, from the synagogue of the freedmen, as it is also called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the providence of Sicilia and Asia. They began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand against... uh, I'm sorry. They could not stand up against the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then he, they secretly pleaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and of God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stops speaking against the holy place and against the law. We have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs. Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. All right, so those of you who had gone to Sunday school, I love, I love Sunday school. If you can't come to Sunday school, like, jump on Zoom. It is worth it. Joe, again, steals my sermon. No, it's not stealing. It's God-ordained. So Joe talked about the differences between the Sadducees and the Pharisees because they make up the Sanhedrin. So because Stephen is seized and he gets called before the Sanhedrin, it is critical that we know what that means. So the Sanhedrin is basically like our Supreme Court. It was made up of 70 men. They would be made up of both Sadducees and Pharisees, but... The difference is, is that the, the amount of seats, right, you have 70 people in there, the majority of the seats were owned and controlled by the Sadducees, okay? So it's more Sadducee-weighted than Pharisee-weighted. So what are some key differences between Pharisees and Sadducees? So the first one, resurrection. Pharisees were pro-resurrection. Sadducees were against the resurrection. What did they believe? Where did they get their information? 
Pharisees said, all of the Old Testament is good. The Sadducees said, just the Torah, just the first five books of, right, just the law of Moses. So any of you guys who are reading through the, your Bible this year, right, you've heard all of these stories that we're going to talk about today because they are all in Genesis and Exodus, right? In fact, uh, there are, I think I wrote it down, I think that there are seven direct quotes from today's sermon out of the Torah, okay? So, uh, we already talked about the majority seats. The Pharisees had the minority. They had the fewest amount of seats. And the Sadducees had the majority of the seats, right? So you could probably say, like, it's a, you know, 40-30 split, 50-20 split, but it was not balanced. The chief priests and the high priests were... Sadducees, right? They are the highest elected officials in the Supreme Court. Uh, so, so what were their, each of their groupings' responsibility? The Pharisees were in charge of all of the synagogues, where the Sadducee was in charge of the temple specifically. Okay? Um, the Sadducees were kind of the rich and the elites. Joe kind of pointed out um, that the Pharisees were more, um, more conservative and the Sadducees were kind of more liberal. Um, and then kind of one of the bigger ones that I, I remember here at the end was that the Pharisees believed in the spirit world and believed in angels, where the Sadducees did not. They did not believe in angels. Okay? So then what was the last sentence in that first chunk? Look at verse 15. All who were seated in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Kind of cool. All right. So, this first chunk, I'm going to break it up into four different chunks. So, the first one is Stephen becomes the target. So, we read 8 through uh, the, the end of chapter 6 here. Realize that there are four pieces that uh, that are the cohort or the, the center of what it means to be Jewish, Judaism, okay? The, the four things that, that makes uh, Jewish Jews, that would be the believing of the temple, the believing in the Torah, the Holy Land or Jerusalem, and their national ethnic identity, right, being Jew specifically. So those are the four kind of pillars on what it means to be very Jewish, so, the advantage of Stephen is that he's both Jew, but can also speak Greek. So he can go into the synagogues um, and, and work in the synagogues, and he's working with this one specific synagogue, the synagogue of the freedmen, right? And all of a sudden, he gets accused. So listen to what his accusations were. Undermining the law of Moses, the holy place, speaking against the temple, and blaspheming God. Don't those sound like the four pillars of what it means to be Jewish? So they're trumping up these charges, and they're saying, like, he's hitting every one of them. Like, he's calling us out. Like, we got to go after him. So they trump up all these charges, and they, they get all these people to lie and say, all right, so these are the things that we've, we've heard of him. So what does Stephen do? Stephen gets hauled in front of the Sanhedrin. So he gets hauled to the Supreme Court. 
Which is funny because, like, who else has been hauled in front of the Sanhedrin? <laughs> All right. So, Stephen tells a story. So, the second section of this, Stephen tells the story. Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin, and I'm going to break this up into two different chunks. So, let me read 1 through 16. Then the high priest asked him, Are these charges true? To his reply, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land and I will show you. So he left the land of Chaldean and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to his land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even a foot of ground, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at this time Abraham had no children. God spoke to him and said, Your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own, and will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation. They will serve serve as slaves, God said. And afterwards they will come to our country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham a covenant of circumcision. That's going to be important. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day after the birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him in the slave into Egypt. And God was with him, and he rescued him from all the troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he had made him ruler over Egypt and all of his palace. Then a famine struck all of Egypt and Canaan, brought great suffering, and our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that that there was grain in Egypt, he sent his fathers on their first visit. On the second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned of Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and the whole family, 75 in all, Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and his fathers died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem, placed in the tomb of Abraham had brought, and the sons of Haran and Shechem for for a certain amount of money. All right. So, you get called before the court, and the Sanhedrin says, how do you plead? And before... Stephen says, like, not guilty. He says, let me tell you a story. The people who were there, remember the Sadducees and the Pharisees, would they have known any of these stories? Right? Because remember that he's, like, quoting directly from the Torah, from the first five books of the Bible. But is he telling all of the stories? Right? Like, I don't know, your Bible, like, first five books of like that's a half an inch of a book right that's a lot of paper and he's now condensing this into like one column in my bible so he's hitting some high points so why does he tell this story so it's it's football season right so some of you guys like football uh some of you guys might like the uh, traditional football right? we call it soccer um, so any of you guys seen the stutter step, right? Imagine the place kicker, 
right? Have you ever seen someone who's, who's young in their skills, and as they run up to the ball, they kind of stutter step a little bit before kicking the ball? You guys have seen this? Do you see any of the pros do that? They don't stutter step. What do they do? Right? Think of the kickoff of a football game, right? He places the football down, and he walks back straight away from the ball like three steps, and then to the right a couple of steps, or to the left a couple of steps, depending on which direction he is. Right? Because that run up to that ball is critical. How where your foot gets planted, how you strike the ball, where your weight is, all of those things are really critical. And that's why the stutter step occurs. Because if until you get it right, you're trying to figure out, okay, like I have to make a bunch of little steps before like I can get the timing right before I plant and kick. Well, that takes out all of your efficiency because you lose all of your speed and you lose all of your, your momentum. That's what Stephen is doing right here. He is going to get his timing right. He's not going to stutter step in this. Before he answers, am I guilty or not, he's going to tell the story, and he's going to back it up, and he's going to get the right angle, so that when he hits his accusations, he's going to be able to hit it with the right speed and the right pace, and and everybody in the room is going to know exactly where he's coming from. So where does he do? He starts with the stories that they know. Because what was the accusation that he had? That he was speaking against Moses. That he was blaspheming against God. That he didn't understand the holy place. So, like I said, in, in my Bible, it quotes, like, so on the bottom of my Bible, it gives you all the little, the little letters, right? Like, after it gives you the verse, it gives you a little A or a B or a C, right? And those are all references. And on the bottom of my Bible, it tells me all of the you know, this one's from Genesis, and this one's from Exodus, and Exodus, and Exodus, and Exodus, right? Joe is mentioning that he finished Exodus today. I read mine at night, so I have the last two chapters of Exodus tonight before I finish it off. So this is, this is all the stories that they know. Seven of these verses that we're talking about tonight comes directly from that. But notice how he tells the story. At first, I didn't see this until I went back and reread it for the tenth time. Look at the pronouns that Stephen uses. Okay? Uh, Let me find a good one for us. Verse 2. He replied, Brothers and, and fathers, listen to me. The glory of a God appeared to our father Abraham. How does Stephen get to use the pronoun our He's included in these stories. He's Jewish. He's a Jew. So he's telling these stories together because these are part of his history as well. So the pronoun is ours. It starts with Abraham because Abraham is where Judaism starts with. Right? Because God gives Abraham this covenant. Right, that he's going to make a nation of, of his seed. Right, he, He's going to populate the world through Abraham. And, he's, and these, these people are set apart. That's what the covenant means. That you're set apart. You're protected. And how does that, that covenant start? It goes from Abraham to Moses and from Moses to Jesus. So we're going to talk about that, that connection. But, but the covenant sets apart both the individual's and the land. Remember, he sends Abraham to this land, so that land is then protected. That's part of the holy land. And remember, that was part of one of the arguments 
right? His accusations is that you're undermining the law of Moses, you don't get the holy place, speaking against the temple, and blaspheming God. So, remember back in the first part of a couple chapters ago in Acts, they talked about all of the apostles selling their property. Right? Where were the apostles had property? In Jerusalem, right? In this holy land? So you're selling off parts of the holy land? I didn't catch that one either. Right? But the Sanhedrin may have seen this and get really ticked off. Right? So, okay, so here's Stephen, right? You're getting all this money. Where are you getting this money? Well, we're selling our property. Well, why are you selling? You can't be selling parts of the Holy Land. Like, this belongs to us. But Stephen starts all the way back with Abraham. And he's going to go through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then to Moses. So basically what he's saying is that you asked me the charge was speaking against your national ethnicity. And Stephen is basically, through this first chunk of the story, says, not guilty. Like, I'm not speaking against them. I know all the stories. I believe them. And in fact, I'm in the stories because I'm saying, our father. So, you accuse me of speaking against national identity, ethnicness, not guilty. So the next chunk. Stephen and Moses. Acts 17, I'm sorry, Acts 7, 17 through 34. As this time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people, again, our, our people in Egypt, grew in, greatly increased. Another king, who knew nothing of Joseph, became ruler of Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers by forcing them into, uh, to throw out our newborn babies so that they would die. Well, why is he telling this story? Because this leads to who? Moses. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. Three months he was carried in his father's house, and he was placed outside. Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up out of his own. Moses was educated in all the wisdom and the Egyptians as powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his few Israelites and saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went into his defense and avenged him and killed the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would be realized that God was using him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day, Moses came upon the two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them. Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the men who were mistreating the others pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you the ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as, as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner with his two sons. After 40 years he passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of the burning bush in the desert of Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight and went over to it and looked closely. And he heard the Lord's voice, I am the God, our father, your God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare look. This next part's important. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals and place where you are standing is holy ground. 
I have included, I indeed uh, seen the, the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down and set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. Okay, what were the four charges? Right? Understanding the law of Moses, the holy place, speaking against the temple, and blaspheming God. So what is this doing? This is setting up the holy place. Right? So through Moses, we get the law and how to build the temple. Right? Those of you who have just powered through Exodus this last couple of weeks, right? last night it was all about how many golden rings and how many curtains and how the curtains all connect to the golden rings and this pieces, and I'm thinking, all right, I didn't have to build it. I don't have to worry about it. Like it, it's, it was built. Right? But, but it, it, it is like pages and pages of how many lamp stands and how many poles and where the poles go and like it was designed by god right so but we get this this uh how to build the temple but stephen focuses on three main points here moses was raised up by god and became the leader that the people needed that's point one in here point two moses becomes the rejected rescuer when, when it first happens, it talks about the fact that Moses goes out and sees the two, uh, the Egyptian picking on the, the Israelites. So he goes over and he confronts them and he kills the Egyptian. And the very next day, the two Israelites are arguing and he's like, what are you going to come kill us now too? And then Moses is also used to rescue all of the people out of Pharaoh's control through the Red Sea. To, to rescue these people. And the third point that Stephen makes is that Moses was the one from whom God was revealed. From, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob revealed himself in a new way. What was the new way? He did it in two that I can kind of count on. One was the burning bush, and the other one was, right, that he gets to go up and see God on Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments and his face turns into gold and he has to put it, right? So, when, when they're talking about the holy ground, Moses got it, right? He, like, you're standing on holy ground, take off your sandals. That's what the burning, that came from the burning bush. This is where Israel is founded. This is J Jerusalem, right? So, in, in this... He, Stephen is kind of making his point. Is like, wait, wait, wait. You said that I don't get the Holy Land. That, that's your accusation? Not guilty. Right? You claim that I didn't know Moses, that I'm speaking against Moses. No, 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 no. I get it. He's part of our forefathers' history. You say that I don't understand the, the Holy Land a lot. No, 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 no. I get it. Moses helped bring that in, into, into our, our connection here. Again, not guilty. So here's where it gets fun. 35 through 53. This is the same Moses who they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge. 
He was sent by their ruler and delivered by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and down wonders and miracles signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. This is that Moses, who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke with him on Mount Sinai. And our fathers, he received living word to pass on to us. But our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us a God who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made the idol and the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and held a celebration in honor of their lands uh, and their hands had made. Let, let me read that one again. They brought sacrifices to it and held celebration in honor of what their hands had made. But God turned away and gave them over to the worship and the heavenly bodies. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of Moloch and the star of your god, Rephan, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you in the exile beyond Babylon. Our forefathers, remember, still the pronoun our, had the tabernacle of the testament with them in the desert, and he had made it God made it as God directed Moses, according to the pattern that has been seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joseph brought it with them, and, and they took it from the land of the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that it might provide a dwelling place for God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made of men, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Oh, will you, oh where will you, my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Pretty calm so far, right? He, he's under the Supreme Court's calling. He's been accused of four things. So far, he's led with, all right, you, you said that I'm talking out against Moses. Here, let me talk about Moses. You're talking about the, you know, me having issues with, with the holy place. No, 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 I get the holy place. And then Stephen loses it. You stiff-necked people, you uncircumcised hearts and ears, you were just like your fathers. Notice the pronoun change. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have re received the law that was put into effect through the angels, but have not obeyed it. Right? First couple of, of, of accusations. No, 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 I'm not guilty. 
Stephen could no longer stand it. He lost his cool, and he let the Sanhedrin know it. Handmade in our world. If you walk into a shop, you go down to Grandma's attic, and you see something that's handmade, that would be pretty cool, right? That would have some value. In Stephen's time, handmade was an idol. What are the first two commandments? I am God, and do not mess with idols. So what's it say here in verse 48? Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Right? He doesn't, he doesn't live here on earth. He doesn't reside in the temple. The temple becomes an idol that the Sanhedrin, specifically the Sadducees, have totally like messed this up. The Most High does not live in houses made by man. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. When God gave the Ten Commandments, Aaron goes and makes a cow. A golden cow. Because the guy who just led you through the Red Sea and then swallows up all of the Egyptian army who you just saw tormented through ten plagues where you're turning water to blood, frogs, locusts, hail. Like, if you couldn't get this, what's he call them? Stiff-necked people? Uncircumcised hearts and ears? Here you have the Israelites who've gone through right the ten plagues, Go through the Red Sea. You come out on the other side. You watch, the, you watch all the Egyptians get swallowed by the Red Sea. And you say, oh, this Moses, like, we don't know who he is. Build me a golden cow. Like, Moses is up getting the Ten Commandments, and they're making idols. So, Stephen's asking, like, like you're saying I'm, I'm talking against the, 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 uh, the temple? Stephen says, guilty as charged, buddy. You're right. And you know why? Because you don't get it. He said, the perfect temple came to this earth a couple, couple years ago. And in fact, a couple months ago, you killed him. That's who I believe. That's what the work we're doing here. There's nothing to do with this building that you're just seizing me from. It's not about that temple. It's about the Holy Spirit that now lives inside me. That's the temple. That's what I should be worshiping. Not this building. Did I speak out against the law of Moses? Nope. Did I speak out against the Holy Land? Nope. Did I speak out against the temple? Guilty as charged. If you tune in next week, you can hear the verdict, the sentencing that he gets. Stephen is a man of faith and of the Holy Spirit. But they could not stand against his wisdom or the spirit from whom he spoke. 6.10. And what did it say in 6.15? All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was that like of an angel. 
This isn't Stephen talking. This is the Holy Spirit working through him because he was filled. Right? And you have these holier-than-thou Supreme Court justices sitting on their throne saying, you're wrong. And Stephen says, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised hearts and ears. Remember, to be circumcised was to be Jewish. He's calling them all the Jewish dirty names that you could do. Joseph was rejected by man, but God had different plans for him. Moses was rejected by man, but God had different plans for him. Jesus was rejected by man, but God had different plans for him. Verse 52. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and you killed him. Right? There's a couple of movies that I like. A bunch of them probably wouldn't fit with this. But, but if you've seen the movie A Few Good Men, right? Right at the end when he says, you know, I want the truth. He says, you can't handle the truth. St- Stephen basically is telling the Sanhedrin, like, I, you asked me. Am I guilty? Nope. I wasn't guilty of talking about the law. I wasn't guilty about talking about Moses. Am I guilty about, you know, blaspheming the temple? Yeah. And you can't handle that truth. And because of that, because those three pieces, if, if any one of those were true, it would imply that you're blaspheming God. But I don't believe Stephen was. I believe Stephen was standing up for his God, and he was doing what he was charged to do. For today I ask you, have we become too focused on defending Christianity that we lose focus on what it means to be a Christian? Right? Stephen gets hauled before the Sanhedrin to defend his Christianity and was deeply a Christian. He knew it. He knew where his faith was. And he was willing to go and die for it. Oh, sorry, I ruined the... Again, tune in next week, I swear. Because remember that Jesus was born a virgin, died on a cross, and was raised from the dead. If you believe that, the rest of the story is a blessing to us. The words that are in this book should make your just heart swell. That's what it means to be a Christian. You believe that there is a Savior and that he has come to take our sins. And because of that, we will be able to sit next to him at the throne, at the table. Do we get the law of Moses? Sure. Do we understand the Holy Land? Okay. Should we be focusing on idols? No. And the Sadducees had turned that temple into an idol.
this is your opportunity this week to kind of focus on, on what are some idols that are in your world? And are they, are they things that can be um, eliminated so that we can focus on God? Because remember the first two commandments. I am God, and there should not be any idols. It's what limits us from having that pure, amazing relationship with God. I hope your relationship with him gets stronger every day. I hope that, that the message that the Lord had on my heart today allows your relationship to be stronger with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we just thank you so very much for these opportunities. Lord, I, I get to grow so much closer to you in reading your word, Lord, and thank you for for what is contained within this Bible, the stories that we need to hear, Lord. I never want to be referred to as stiff-necked. Lord, I want my eyes to be on you, my heart to be with you, and my will to be yours. Lord, when that's happening, we have a great life. Anytime I get the priorities out of, out of whack, Lord, that's when my life gets upside down, and it gets hard. Lord, being a Christian was never in plan to be easy. And Stephen figures out exactly what that means. But when you're standing up against the face of opposition and you have the Holy Spirit deep within you, Lord, that's when we are right. Thank you so very much for Stephen. Thank you for his passion. Thank you for his knowledge. Thank you for the story that is in the Bible, Lord. I just ask that we continue to grow in this, uh, grow in this time close to you, Lord. Lord, I also ask you to, to bless this day, Lord, that we get to talk about the business of the church, Lord, and that uh, I just pray that the annual meeting goes smoothly, and uh, thank you so very much for this opportunity to gather today. I ask you to, to continue watching over this day and the service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.